Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of WCM Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks here, as always, Mr. Ben Quiggle from Woodall's Campground Management and Kara Brodigan from the Canadian Camping and RV Council. A little bit of a weird setup. I decided like last minute to just come outside <laughs> and do this terrible couch in the background, and it was awful, and there was sun coming across my face, so I decided to make it much more challenging on myself. Uh, so we did this last minute. We'll see how it goes outside, but if not, we've got two cool co-hosts that can definitely pick up the slack for us. Uh, super excited to talk about the RV industry, some trends, sales, stuff like that today. We've got a few guests here that I'm going to let introduce themselves in a second. Uh, but just a quick reminder, if you're watching us on Facebook, please comment. Uh, we're happy to bring those comments on, engage with you guys. We can see them in real time. And then we are also a podcast on Spotify, Google, all kinds of other places. So you can listen to us later on if you want. So uh, let's introduce our guests. Who do we have first? Shane, you want to go? I'm Shane Devinish, Executive Director from the Canadian Camping and RV Council up here in Canada. Oh, that's it? That was really short, Shane. Like, you've got a, like, oh, a laundry I, list of like I, accomplishments, I, I feel like. I mean, pump yourself up a little bit. <laughs> also, right, uh, Oh, no, uh, you're going to go? Uh, like, no, I well, like, you, I, you paused. I you were kidding. uncertain. <laughs> also with the Canadian yeah, RV us, Association. You're also what? President of the Canadian <laughs> RV Association. There you okay. go. And CRVA. And longtime political lobbyist person who has government relations and all wow. kinds of stuff. And <laughs> I don't want to take the time of in the other Canada you, and go down this rabbit hole. Yes. Shane, right. about <laughs> your life history. <laughs> uh, Monica. Uh, Monica Geraci with the RV Industry Association. I'm the director of PR and communications. Um, have done almost everything in the RV Industry Association. So I'm um, happy to be here with you guys again. Awesome, welcome Monica, Dick. Yeah. Good morning, I'm Dick Grimonpre, Director of Park Model Sales for Skyline Champion. Uh, we are the largest uh, producer of park models in the United States. I also serve uh, as the uh, park model representative on the board of directors for RVIA. All right, very cool. What do we got on tap, Mr. Quiggle? Yeah, I mean, well, I just I just would like to note, I think according to my archives on Woodalls, I believe this is the one year anniversary show or the the uh the show last week. I can't I, I can't really I can't well, remember. Depends. Are you counting all the weeks that you had to take off because you had to do yeah, something? Yeah, I mean, we've got to count. So that so that probably amounts to like 45 weeks off. So <laughs> So yeah. Yeah, so three more years before our anniversary then. Yeah, three more Where years before our anniversary. So um but no, I'm I mean I'm really excited with the group we have here today and um you know we we really wanted to dive into some of the RV numbers and uh the RV RV Industry Association released their um shipment report today and it I mean it's just stunning to see the amount of growth I guess um that the RV industry seen over the last year just due to interest in the outdoor hospitality industry um 54,000 over 54,000 wholesale RV shipments were shipped this past March which is a which is an all-time record I guess maybe Monica can speak a little bit more to what they're seeing on that end because as far as the growth mean is that shipments to dealers yeah so shipments is exactly what it sounds like it's the RVs that have been built and have made their way to dealerships across North America in the past month. So for March, up over more than 5% increase over the previous record. So previously, March 2018, uh, 2018 was the record. And now March 2021, most RVs ever shipped in a single month. And that capped off the first quarter of 2021, which now is the most RV shipments for any quarter ever, anytime. Um, and it's a nearly 10% increase over that first quarter of 2018. I mean, we all remember 2018 first quarter um, was a, a really strong quarter for the RV industry, but 2021 even even higher. And yeah, so, so record breaking numbers out this morning. But now when you talk about shipments, is that record-breaking production capacity or is that record-breaking actual sales to consumers? So these are these are wholesale shipments. This is not, right. obviously it's related to sales, right, but right, these are yeah. not sales numbers. These are okay. RVs that have been built. And there's even that little 
it's not necessarily RVs that are built that month. It's RVs that left the manufacturer and went to a dealership in the okay. month of March. I mean, not diminishing what the accomplishment at all, to be clear, but I just wanted to, to make sure that we were on the same page. That's all. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, is a lot of this due to that, due to the manufacturers still playing catch up from COVID or is it, Good question. you know, obviously there's been a lot of interest. So there's been a lot of new orders I imagine coming in too. Yeah. Our understanding is that, you know, a lot of these armies that are making their ways to dealerships are already sold before they get there. There continues to be extremely strong demand for RVs and inventory continues to be low. So it's building, I don't know that it's building back up that inventory yet. It's still um, going to the demand that we're seeing from consumers. And I think one of the, the really interesting parts about the shipment report we put out this morning, we added a little more context to why people have been buying the RVs. And this was a, a survey we did and we just got the results back. And we asked, why did you buy the RV? And this was only for people who have bought since the pandemic. And the top four reasons were the same reasons that you traditionally think of when you buy an RV. Love of road trips, traveling in comfort, um, ability to explore the great outdoors, and a base camp for other outdoor recreation activities. The fifth on the list was it's a safer way to travel, um, which okay. is, is COVID related. But fourth from the bottom, and this is probably, I think this is the big biggest piece of gold in this um, in this survey was the fourth reason from the bottom was restriction on other forms of travel. So people didn't buy RVs in 2020 because they couldn't take a cruise. That wasn't the driving reason. The driving reason, driving, huh? um, for getting an RV, <laughs> I'm sorry, was- um, Oh boy, was, we can't handle humor on this show, RV. Monica. You gotta watch it. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm it really speaks to the appetite in the market. Um, you know, I think folks on the campground owner side, I can speak for, are kind of feeling some concern that, you know, when things kind of start to return to normal-ish, they may see this decline in, in, you know, folks wanting to come and stay. But that, that's, that data tells me that's probably not necessarily the case, which is fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. And I think on the park model, I know we have Dick here from uh, Skyline Champion um, on the park model side. Um, I guess, Dick, can you just tell us a little bit about what's going on on the park model side as well? Yes, I'd be happy to. The The growth of the park models, you know, we're a very small part of the industry. I mean, a good year for park model shipments is like 4,500 units. Uh, we have uh, not that many plants that build park models and the ones that do you know, maximum production, maybe two or three a day. But with that being said, at the end of last year, even though the park model numbers were kind of flat for the year, our company had over a quarter percent of a year's shipment for the entire industry and our backlog unbuilt. In other words, we have huge backlogs right now. Uh, in the park model industry. I think if you talk to all the manufacturers, we have uh, 12 plants that build them and like four of the plants are already sold out for this year. I mean, if you wow. gave us an order now, you might not get them delivered to your sales center for a year. Wow. Uh, the biggest well, I've heard this, I don't mean to interrupt you, Dave, but I've heard this from multiple, like Cares talked about that in Canada and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yep. All these manufacturers are running backlogs. Is there an answer to this? Obviously there's no quick fix. But well, is there a intention to add more capacity? The, the, the biggest issue our industry has is materials. Uh, I'm sure you guys okay. all know, but you know, lumber's tripled in price. Uh, there's yep. been refrigerator issues. There's been all sorts of issues with materials. And then, you know, with COVID and our government paying people not to work, obviously getting workers to try to grow our production uh, staff has been a, an issue as well. Uh, so because of all those issues, you know, that's kind of hurt the park model people a little bit. I'm sure it's, it's also going to start affecting the RV people as well, but, but maybe not. Uh, Dick, have but, you seen this Boston Dynamics robot, the dog? Like it can do all kinds of things now. I bet park model. It would be nice. It, it would be really nice. So, uh, but where we've seen our growth is on the, uh, the hospitality side, you know, as, uh, these, it seems like almost every uh, 
uh, campground or resort uh, is, is growing and new ones coming up and the need for park models for rentals are just so big you know some of these orders we get are 50 to 100 park models at a time for rental yeah and you know that's what's causing the backlogs to grow which is a good thing so for somebody like me who's more involved in the campground side versus the rv side help me and maybe some of our audience and i'm sure campground owners know much more than i do but what's the difference between park model um one of the the rental homes that might be at mh one and you know a cabin or something like that what is what's the difference or is there you know, really they're, they're the same you know when we build a, a, a i think what i know what you're asking you know a street our street product and our rental product is very similar it's just a lot of times in the rental units they'll want more sleeping so you might see more lofts or bunk rooms things like that okay. so it will accommodate more people but and also a lot of times in campgrounds they want more rustic or you know shiplap walls type thing a little more interior sturdiness rather than the the sheetrock but the product's very similar okay yeah i just yeah. didn't honestly didn't know because i've heard that i mean i've heard the term park model used so often but then i also hear cabins and mh and all those kinds of things and i'm sure your companies span the scope of all that stuff but well mh is manufactured housing um yes. we don't you know that's not part of the park model business you yeah know, we build rvs so ours are park model rvs but we On do wheels. cabin okay. styles and cottage styles and, and you know give people different looks okay understood yeah. very cool okay I guess Monica what on else the got, RV. Mr. Quigley, you better have options. You're supposed to come here and pull your weight. I guess Monica on the RV on the RV side, are we, are you having you know labor issues on that end too? As far as are you hearing from manufacturers that are having issues getting workers? And I know Elkhart County specifically is dealing with a lot of COVID related issues. So, so having I think Elkhart. I didn't look this up before this morning, but I think they're around 4% is the unemployment, yeah. which is almost full full employment. So yeah. yeah, there is a shortage of workers. They need more workers. It's similar to what we were seeing back in 2018, 2017, when we had, we were building similar, but not as many um, RVs. So, and I think that's, there are these challenges and, but our manufacturers are still building record numbers of, RVs. So yes, there's these challenges, and yes, it would be great to have fewer uh, supply chain issues or have more workers. But end of the day, building a record number of RVs. Yeah. Now, are you seeing yeah, the same type of like delays and orders from dealers that they're seeing with park models? Or are you guys able to keep up? So oh, you no, like that. the same. Go ahead. Right. Like remember earlier, remember, I think it was earlier in the pandemic in 2020, we were dealing with like empty dealer lots all over the place, right? Nobody had RVs to actually sell. So are you able to keep up with that demand is what I'm asking. So there are still, I don't think there's any dealers that are going to tell you that they have the level of inventory that they would like to have. Um, okay. But <laughs> no. Um, so yes, inventory is still low. And I think someone put in here, Northlander and General Coach sold out until 2022. Someone said that in the chat. And you know, yeah. we're hearing that. I think Airstream just put out something about how you order an Airstream today, you're not going to get it for, for many months. So there there are the, the backlogs, yes. I wasn't paying attention to the chat. Thank, thank goodness you were, Monica. So. Uh, I, you know, it's really interesting. I know, I think unemployment for Indiana which is, I think, produces over 80% of the RVs, um, you know, specifically in Elkhart County, um, you know, fell to 3.9% the unemployment rate, which is just um, extremely low for March, the entire state. And they just made an announcement that they have an Amazon fulfillment center that's actually going to be building in Fort Wayne, which is an extremely long distance from Elkhart. So it's just interesting uh, to see you know even besides the rv industry how they're able to draw in all these companies but the lack of workforce is really concerning um you know in indiana uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that continues to impact some of these manufacturers and stuff so it's, it's everywhere though like i was reading a, a yeah where you know where i live in cleveland i was reading um about how a restaurant owner of a brewery can't find 10 people to be wait staff and dishwashers like it's an everywhere yeah. problem with workers, i think so 
especially yeah. exacerbated, I think, with skilled, but. Is yeah. our, are our manufacturers up here in Canada experiencing staffing issues like that? Shane, do you know? Yeah, I, I, I think it's the same uh, all over, you know, when you, when you have that much, you know, production and uh, John's right. You know, uh, I think general coach is actually scheduling stuff in 2023 now. Wow. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, it's, wow. you know, employees, um, they're hard to find. And I think partly is because it's, in, it's in an enclosed area, you know, very close <laughs> with other people beside you. And, um, you know, it's tough right now to find people that'll, um, that'll go in that environment, unfortunately. Are there so be strategic about that though? Like, can you add another shift or I've just, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of well. That's the that. thing. There's good and bad to both sides of it, right? Like the bad is the campground owners have to wait to get all this stuff. The dealers have to wait in some cases to get all this stuff. But the good side is, is like from a forecasting perspective, from general coach, like you're like you're golden for two plus three plus years, where you can forecast this out and see what the demand is and hire more people, add more. But it's mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Is is I don't think it's as easy as a shift, or they would have probably done it with all the money that they're probably throwing away. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm sure all these guys are doing the best they can, spreading spreading everybody out, um, you know, to make it a safe environment uh, for sure. So did, um, Dick, you mentioned the supplies for the for like the park models, and you know, I had heard some stories last year, last spring or last summer about. You know, I think I heard one story. You know, who knows if it's true, but one guy was. Uh, an RV manufacturer, a park model manufacturer, he was like at a hardware store somewhere else and noticed that they had just gotten a shipment of, of refrigerators or something in and, and he pretty much bought the entire shipment that they had gotten in at this hardware store and had it delivered to the plant or whatever. So I guess, um, uh, you know, what kind of, you know, material issues, you know, is the PMRV manufacturers facing, I guess, I, and I imagine the wood cost isn't helping anything, so. Well, I think, you know, we're fortunate from the standpoint, we're a very large company and some of our suppliers will supply us before they'll even supply a Lowe's or Home Depot, yeah. uh, you know, contracts and things like that. But, you know, we've had, we just had other issues. Uh, you know, it just seems like if it's, if it's not one thing, it's another, we had, we bond our, 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 our ceiling to the rafters uh, with the material and because of the the freeze the plant shut down and therefore we couldn't get that material so i mean we it just seems like it's one thing after another with with parts of one type or another but that's the trouble with growth at least on our industry uh, we would love to grow but you know getting the supplies to do that it's hard to to make sure you're going to have more than what you currently are building or what you built last year where do most of your parts come from, Jake? Are they mostly sourced from China and stuff like that? Or? Well, you know, we work through suppliers, you know, right. national brands. And, our, you know, our company has 35 manufacturing plants of manufactured mm -hmm. housing, and 12 of those plants also build park models. So we're a very large builder in the United States. And so, you know, we work through a lot of the suppliers in, in that. And like I said, they'll guarantee us what we bought last year from them but it's if if we're trying to double our production or build twenty thousand more floors it's hard to get those extra materials to do that right the only reason i was asking just is because it takes so long to come on the ships and all that kind of stuff with delays and i know that the cargo containers are backing up in some ports and so i didn't know if that was affecting you too so well everything yeah. affects it in in some way or another <laughs> Monica, on, the, on the rv side i guess the same you know, question, what kind, do you know what kinds of, uh, you know, materials they're having issues getting their hands on, I guess? I think one of the phrases that has been thrown around is it's like whack-a-mole. Um, so there's <laughs> one supply <laughs> issue. That's a fun here. game, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> and, and get that under control. And then there, there's something else that, that comes up. You know, things were, were looking pretty good. We, we got this under control, then the Texas freeze happened. And then you got, yep. you got to deal with it everything that came out of that and the um, shipping containers while you know so many of these are built in America US built RVs there absolutely are things that are coming in through the supply chain and things being held up at the the shipping ports is a 
is a big issue as well. So, but it is these constant and one thing gets handled and then it's, then it's something else. Um, so, but finding innovative ways to, to work around those issues to still be able to build the RVs and park model RVs. I'm just, uh, I'm just shocked at the price of wood at the moment, and I don't know how much wood goes into an RV, or I imagine more goes into a park model RV. But um, uh, the price of wood is just shocking. I know on a personal end, I was going to build a privacy fence, but I'm really scared to see what the wood price for that's going to be for me. Um, well, before we get to that, Ben, why do you feel you need a privacy fence? What's up with the neighbor? <laughs> I do a lot of <laughs> private things, Brian. Um, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, it, it, it's more for my wife. I don't, I don't really like privacy fences, but my wife does. So if people want to stare at me, go for it. if your neighbor did something um, to trigger it or something. Like, if, I don't know. I mean, it, creepy neighbors exist, I feel like, so... But, you know, is that driving up the cost of some of these units, uh, Dick, maybe more for the PMRV side? Does this drive up the cost for those oh, units? Oh, certainly. Yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, I mean, I'm just throwing out numbers here, but I'll bet you we've gone up $5,000 in the last four months. Yeah. Um, and it just keeps going up. Uh, the biggest issue we have is that we're taking orders now for eight months down the road. Well, we don't know in eight months down the road what the pricing is going to be. So what we're doing is we're basically taking the orders now, giving them a price, and then telling them that, you know, before we put them online to actually be built, then they can choose whether or not they want us to build them or cancel the order because we have to give them the new pricing because we can't guarantee a price we're giving right now. Wow. Yeah, that's got to be definitely. Yeah, that's and be I've been doing this for 40 though. years and never seen that before. You know, we're actually um, adding insurance into our wholesale pricing. So we may, you know, if it's a, a $60,000 invoice, we may be, be saying it's 63, putting a $3,000 insurance in there where if it doesn't go up, they don't have to pay it. But if it does, they have to, but we're not putting enough money in to cover what the prices really are. So do you know if this is accurate, Shane, from John that put it you put it in the chat? I mean, I know you're in Ontario, right, Shane? So that's the only reason I'm asking you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it is accurate. And um, you know, one sheet of plywood is what, 90 bucks, I think now. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. It's it's just uh just you know insane, to be honest with you. I had this here this past weekend and I had some lumber in my garage, just like a couple of two by sixes and he was like i was offering to pay him to help me and he was like i'll just take this wood if you don't need it <laughs> i've seen i've yeah. seen i think i've seen a meme where people were where people it was a funny joke where people were saying they were trying to hide wood and in shipments of cocaine now you know because the wood's more valuable than the drugs uh but um so different things like that uh but uh, it's just crazy. I know I've had to put off on, you know, some projects at home just because, you know, the wood is just crazy. So, um, yeah, I've got uh, a nice wood railing behind me. Yeah. There was a, then, then there was another um, um, uh, funny thing on Facebook where wife says, take me somewhere expensive for dinner. And they went to Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So, so it brings up an interesting question, though. Like, I mean, let's pretend for a second that lumber, for whatever reason, was going to stay at this price for years, right? Let's all hope that it doesn't. But hypothetically speaking, is there a way for the industry to pivot away from using wood as a material? Is that even feasible? I think feel free to jump on it all at once, everyone. <laughs> I think I think scenarios like this drive, you know, ingenuity. So I think you know potentially we'll see some technologies or or, or things change to develop an alternative. But uh, I don't think that would be short or quick. Like, uh, no, no, no. It's definitely not going to be short or quick. But that's why I said if it's going to take like a year or two, if these prices are sustainable, is it? something that becomes a conversation or not. I don't know. I'm asking. Well, does, does this drive, maybe another question too is uh, on the park owner side is, does this drive park owners to look at other accommodation units, you know, at, because 
the that's PRV a really good backlog, and maybe they're looking at units that have steel frames instead of wood. I guess I don't know. So, it's a, it's an excellent question. I mean, like because you see how the popularity of glamping, right? And the yurts and all kinds of different, like yurts. I think have still some wood that holds up the frame, but they can more yeah. easily be substituted. So it brings up that's a really good question. Actually, anybody want to speculate? <laughs> well, I you know I I think this hopefully is a very short term. Yeah. You know, predicament, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if anybody wants to make any major changes right now. When uh, a year, uh, hopefully within a year, we we're not in this uh, situation. Um, let's just hope it corrects itself. You know, if it's a long term yeah. thing, I think people are gonna have to have to look at their process. Yeah, we got a comment here from RV Business too. Uh, talks about the price of lumber and stuff. I don't know some of this. I probably should know more of my dad used to own a construction company. But. Yeah, I'll, I'll read, Brian. The price of lumber per thousand board feet is at $1,044, according to random lengths. That's an all-time high and up 188% since the onset of the pandemic. The National Association of Home Builders calculates that current lumber prices are adding at least $24,000 to the price tag of a typical new single-family home. So, yeah, that's that's certainly going to impact, you know, pricing and, lot, and things yeah. like that going forward and and you know going back to ben's question i think yeah it could potentially you know impact buying habits if folks can purchase something alternative for you know actually the cost so we'll see what the kind of long-term fallout of that stuff is but at this point obviously you know folks are still willing to pay the insurance and order till 2023 so well, and I don't know if this is, I don't I don't know the answer, but Luon is really the, the wood that is used in the RV industry and that comes from Indonesia. And so is the, are we seeing the same increases in, in Luon as compared to just your your normal pieces of lumber? And I, I don't know the answer to that. I probably should. Um, and I don't know if anyone else here knows yeah. if Luon is going up similarly. I, yeah, I mean, I didn't, uh, I didn't look that up. Um, maybe I can look it up real quick and see if we see anything. But I haven't heard anything about that. So um, we don't use a lot of Luon in park models, but yeah, uh, but I, I haven't heard any big price increases there. Yeah. So um, I guess on the other end too, um, you know, we've been seeing a lot of stories about gas prices, and they are. Uh, higher than they were at this time last year. I guess, Monica, you, how does that impact the RV industry? Does, you know, do you see a lot of difference when the when the gas prices go up versus when they stay lower, I guess, in interest? People don't drive their RVs that much. When you're thinking of yeah. it, you drive your car, yeah. you're going to spend a lot more gas for your car than you do when you're driving your RV, whether it's you know, you're using it for three weeks to go on a three-week road trip, well, then your gas bill is going to be pretty high for those three weeks. But if that's the extent of when you're using it, um, or if you're driving at one place and then staying there for a week. So we don't see that much of an impact when it comes to the gas prices. I mean, high gas prices impact everything, um, and particularly other forms of travel uh, as well. So it's maybe more of a, you know, mental barrier for the people think about of ooh, gas prices are high am i going to go buy an rv that i think i'm going to drive a lot and but is it really going to is it really that much more of a an impact on people's wallets yeah that's what that was, that's kind of what my thing is too like i've seen a lot of people post gas prices are up gas prices are down up down up down but like yeah just like when i was 16 and my first vehicle was a chevy truck that got like seven miles to the gallon like my behavior, my driving behavior changed when I got a more fuel efficient car. So it's just, I, I imagine it's the same way with RVs. Yeah. yeah if, it, if it's another 10% onto the trip, I don't, I don't think it really, really matters to, to, to most uh, people. No, because again, you're going to, but you're going to plan that around the stay, right? Am I taking that overnight to KOA to KOA to KOA, or am I going to park for three weeks or two months because of like you're, you own an RV, you're going to want to get out no matter what is what I'm trying to say, I think. You're just going to change yeah. that behavior a little bit. Yeah. 
Um, I think we did a show on EV vehicles a, a few weeks ago, which was pretty good, I guess. Um, obviously, RVIA announced last week that they had some success in California with some of the the smog inspection rules that California was looking at for diesel RVs. Um, is that an issue for our for the RV industry moving forward? Um, you know, trying to find ways to make the vehicles maybe more environmentally friendly or taking a look at how EV, you know, RVs play into the market, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the industry should be constantly looking for ways to innovate and keep with the, the newer technologies that are coming out. So absolutely, and and we know members are looking at newer technologies, which is great. Um, yeah. yeah, the California issue was it's CARB, California Air Resource Board, and they were putting on a new requirement and it, it was really complicated, but then they were like, oh, here, it was going to impact out-of-state RVs as well, any diesel. And then they yeah. said, well, here's our compromise. You can do a three-day trip. Like you can have a three-day waiver, but you know who's, if you're taking your diesel motor home from Colorado and you're gonna go visit through California, you're not staying for three days. So our government affairs team worked very closely with um, other organizations and uh, was able to convince CARB that out-of-state motorhomes should be fully exempt from from this requirement, which is which is great. Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. Like, if there's one job I would never want to do, it would be lobbying the government and all these regulations. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I admire you guys for what you do, but that's not for me. So, <laughs> yeah, I personally don't know, especially from a national perspective. Uh, Personally, I personally don't understand how you guys keep track of everything. So, <laughs> must be a lot of charts. <laughs> you keep, a lot of uh, charts. Oh, we have a great government affairs team. I, I was on that team for, for a number of years. That's why I started in at the association. Um, it's a great team over there, um, the, the government affairs team. Yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of, like, let's pivot just for a brief moment because I know CCRVC had a huge week last week. So, if we're going to talk about lobbying for a second, let's talk a little bit about that. Shane and Kara, how'd your week go? I, you know, I, uh, I'll go first, Kara. I, uh, you know, uh, it's a, it's probably an election year for us up here. Um, so, you know, it's, I think it's going to be hard to get anything done. Uh, but you know, overall we were, um, you know, we had a lot of meetings at the zoom platform. This is the first time we ever had a virtual, uh, uh parliament Hill day or week or whatever. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think it's similar to, um, you know, RVIA's committee week where you go from government, government building to government building and you need to take your belt off. And, um, you know, it takes a, anyway, it takes a, a while to get through to each meeting and leave. So this allowed us to have a lot more meetings um, and they were productive. They were a good half hour, uh, you know, all of them, I would, I would think. And, um, you know, our, uh, our uh, our ask both on the on the RV dealer side and and the uh, the campground side were re uh, you know receptive uh, the, on the dealer side they got a lot of their asks included in the budget uh, on the campground side not so much <laughs> so we're 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 still lobbying um, uh, you know our our lobbying efforts are continuing so but Kara had probably the most meetings in the in the week we we threw most of the meetings to Kara so. Yeah, thanks, Shane. <laughs> I saw, I, saw no. I, I saw she was extremely busy. So um, a lot of uh, pictures of her on Zoom. So <laughs> yeah, lots of pictures of me from Zoom. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, that week that we spent in Ottawa every year is always really great. But uh, you know, like Shane said, this ability to fit lots of meetings in and do this virtually really eliminated so much of the you know running around in the rain on parliament hill and going through security in 14 different buildings and all of this <laughs> the logistical stuff was, was wiped out which made it easy to focus on the conversations and um you know from meeting to meeting and just be really focused on what our asks were and and i think everyone i met with was incredibly supportive of our industry you know we're in this unique scenario where we're talking about record numbers of shipments and things during a pandemic mm -hmm. 
and you know so many other industries are really struggling so um you know it was great to have uh, several of them commented to me that it was nice to hear some positive things right now when you know so many other industries that they're talking to are really in trouble and then we and then i think i saw the announcement over the weekend where it looks like british columbia is kind of restricting um travel um, they have like well, before, three before we get to that, I just want to talk about like because we're talking about RV industry trends here. Yeah. So what are, out of those meetings that you guys were in, Karen Jane, what did you pull out of that from the RV industry, either where it's going or how they're listening to your needs or those kinds of things? Um, you know, I I, I would I would think um, you know, there the, the perception that you know that we're doing unbelievable and we don't have any problems. We had to we had to fix that because. You know, any anytime you have an industry that's doing well, it's, there's going to be some things there that you still need help on. And um, you know, as far as the dealer's side goes, you know, up here, and I, um, you know, I congratulate Monica and and uh, you know her team and and all the manufacturers on on doing such a great job as far as producing so many RVs. But um, you know, in in Canada here, we can't get them fast enough. And the second half of this year. Um, dealers may be looking at empty shelves. So, you know, when we get through this pandemic, um, you know, the, the dealer revenue may be severely impacted and hopefully not, but they, it may be where we, we could use some government assistance after things are scheduled to end, which right now is what September. So, you know, it's um, some were surprised at that. And it's always, these things are always good to kind of, set the record straight, um, so to speak. But, you know, um, I think we're, you know, overall, I think we're really encouraged, um, you know, that uh, that things are picking up. You know, I, I just saw the February numbers for Canada. We're up uh, 34% in shipments uh, over 2020. Um, and uh, so, you know, if that continues through the year, hopefully dealers can meet their sales um, that they've got on, on for sale and then help replenish the, uh, their inventories by the end of the year. So, you know, I think we're, we're pumped up. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess Monica on the, and I don't know if you can answer this question. I see my wife and I just went out West a few weeks ago and we saw a ton of, um, RVs being towed, towed by those, uh, companies that tow the rvs all of a sudden they slip what, what would we call them but they slip my mind yeah transports there we go <laughs> and um i guess you know does you know have you heard anything about how those companies are keeping up i mean it's kind of a unique um industry especially with like the fifth wheels and everything you know you have to have a lot of transporters to to be able to get those to the dealerships i guess yeah, I mean, transporters, it, it is unique because it's not like cars where they're all being yeah. uh, shipped. It's a lot of these, I mean, motorhomes and, and a lot are, are drive away, just one. Um, haven't heard a lot about that being a, a really big issue, like anything with increased demand um, and the need for more um, workers. Um, that's That's probably part of it as well. But I haven't heard any huge cry, um, outcry over transporters. Like we had an issue, my goodness, this was maybe four years ago. And again, the government affairs team did step in and help with some government regulations on how they wanted to classify these these drivers to make it so that more people, there more people could be transporters. So um, there, and there was a big outcry back a few years ago. So I haven't heard anything like that level. Um, and in Canada, we're, we're, we don't have enough. Um, in, in the past, um, you know, if, if a dealer had some stuff in the yard, they could just send a few guys down with their pickup trucks and uh, pick up some units at any time. But now with the border being closed, um, you need a, uh, an industrial license. And guys, just, you know, there's so many dealers up here don't have licenses to be able to with uh, trucks that they can send down. So we're, there's a lot of units still in the yard down there that we can't um, get up here fast enough. <clears throat> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's just, uh, it's, you know, when you drive through Elkhart, it's just really interesting to see the fields of RVs and you're just thinking, wow, there's got to be enough transporters to haul all those RVs. So it's just kind of interesting. Um, so, um, Do we have, a, I'm sorry, finish your thought, Ben. I'm sorry. No, just, it's just kind of interesting to see the huge fields and just think about all of that. So what all goes into play to, to get those units delivered. So. Do we have any clarity from the, because we have a lot of campground owners who watch the show, obviously, probably a little bit more than the RV industry uh, itself. Uh, do we have any clarity on these new buyers who are purchasing the RVs? Obviously, they're buying them to use, right? But do we have any clarity of what they're doing or what their actions are or how often they're camping after they purchase these? Or does any data like that even being collected? Uh. Yes. Tough for well, it's tough for Canada because we haven't opened yet. So I'll let, let Monica go on that. Um, we did. So we had the demographic study that was released. Now that um, that was released. And that looked at the entire um, number of people who own RVs in in the United States. And showed that 11. 11.2 million households now own an RV, which is a 62% increase over the last 20 years. Um, and that broke these, it was really cool how the study was done this year because it identified different clusters of owners based on their um, behaviors and like beliefs and, and lifestyles. And so it was really cool that it broke it up into these seven different demographics and um you have like i should pull up in front of me happy campers who are people who do are on the road more than 200 or in their rv more than 200 days a year you've got they've got the people who use them more like 20 days out of the year and then also where people are are going are they doing are they moving every night or are they doing more of the destination go somewhere and stay there for a week and Really, there is no typical RVer. So you know how long are people typically using their RV? It really depends on segments. So there's a t I could talk a really long time about the the demographic study, which all um, RV anyone who's a member of RVDA or the RV Industry Association have access to that to that full report. Well, maybe we need to do a future show just on demographics and reports we can combine yours and KOAs that just came out and all those kinds of things. Maybe dive into those details. But Yeah, yeah, I um, mean, the, the KOA report's a wealth of information, too. And I think they had a pretty large number of people that are, you know, they bought their RV and they're looking to upgrade, um, which is just beneficial for the RV industry, too, because, um, you know, they're looking to get into better, bigger units. So that's great. So, so what are you? And I know I feel like Dick's been quiet down there. We've been not asking him enough <laughs> questions. So, so, Dick, what are you seeing from the trends of the types of? Obviously, you're back ordered and you have a lot of backlog. But what are you seeing from the types of campgrounds and places that are ordering yours, your park models? Has that changed with COVID? Is it the same? Oh, it's it's actually better. I you know I know there's probably no demographics for this, but we sell campgrounds that have anywhere from one or two park model rentals to some of the big boys that have 130 of our park models in there. Yeah. And almost everybody I've talked to has said they are already sold out basically into the summer or through the summer for every, you know, at least every weekend. And right. if I had a dollar for everybody that said that I wish I had twice as many rentals, it, it just seems like that part of the business is booming. People would rather go to a campground and stay there. They feel safer there than going to some big holiday inn and staying there. Uh, it's just, uh, there's just so much more for the family to do and it's more COVID friendly and rentals are just, I, I can't tell you how good rental business hey. is right now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, Shane, do we gather uh, demographic stuff up here? Yeah, uh, we should, uh, you know, on, well, I should say on the Gorving side, you know, they, right. they, they did a, a recent report. Um, I, uh, I can't recall anything, you know, on, on the, we, we should send out some kind of a survey on the campground side to get, you know, their perspective at the end of the year as well. Absolutely. Pardon me for a sec. I have to go around the fence and rescue my dog, but I can still <laughs> talk to you guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you guys should ask Nick about he, he's a perennial participant in our advocacy day on the Hill. Um, and I don't, I think maybe he could go compare with you, Kara, as to the most meetings ever, ever scheduled. Um, Monica is cruel, cruel to me. <laughs> because we have plants in so many states, she gives me all these crazy places. So I go have to go see the Nebraska people and the Michigan people and the, and the California people, the Texas people. And she wears me out. It was great. His first, he almost didn't come back. His very first year, I gave him, I think, 13 meetings, 11 to 13 meetings in a single day to, yeah. to hit up and... I think he threw himself off a ladder the following year to try to avoid something. You still made it go on crutches. <laughs> I, just... I don't have that much of an opinion to it, Dick. I, uh, I apparently don't hate it quite as much as you do. I definitely wouldn't have thrown myself off of a ladder to avoid it. Um, <laughs> but... well, I didn't do it intentionally. <laughs> That's the story, at least. Right. Uh, it wasn't intentional. Yeah, um, but I do, I do really value that time. It's, it's um, really just a great learning experience for me all these years to, to kind of continue to do it. So I'm happy to, um, you know, I'm fortunate as an ex-campground owner to still be able to kind of have a voice for, for our industry and, and connect with officials and, and stuff in support of you know, our members. I, I value that. Uh, position that I'm in very much. Um, but yeah, it is tiring. It's it's tough sometimes to have those conversations and, and kind of um, be expected to to know all the answers in those meetings and things like that. But, um, you know, overall, politicians are humans. I know lots of us maybe don't agree, but always goes well. So, it, uh, Monica, how is it impacting how much more work does it put on the RVIA team when you don't actually get to meet in person, I guess, for like the RVs Move America Week? Um, obviously, I think it's been oh, two years now since you guys have been able to meet. So with yeah, people in person. A lot of that comes down to the restrictions that are on the capital and the access yeah. to the capital. That was the driving decision behind our decision not to hold RVs of America week this week or this year. Um, we still have a lot. We've, we've got our team that is meeting regularly, mostly virtually um, with members of Congress. And last summer, the Great American Outdoors Act got that across the finish line in this remote environment. And that was a lot of help from our members. We used our, our advocacy tools, our RV app, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with that, but send letters to Congress. So that was really helpful and still doing more targeted meetings with, with members of Congress, but it doesn't have the same feel as, I mean, more, it, they're still being very impactful, but it doesn't have that same feel as, um, you know, heading up to the Hill with, you know, 2019 was the last year we did it. We released the RVs Move America Econ study and we had, I think, 160-ish people from the RV industry on the Hill. So there's nothing that compares to to that kind of excitement. So hopefully, hopefully, I don't see why we wouldn't be back to that next year. Yay. Yeah, and I imagine with the transition, you know, political transitions and stuff that have happened, a lot of new people came into Congress, a lot of people exited, that probably... Um, makes things a little different too, I guess, or complicated. <laughs> lucky for, I don't know if lucky for us is the right word, but so we have the RV caucus um, yeah. for the Senate and on the House side and our leaders in both, for both of those. Um, so Senator Ernst from Iowa and then Representative Wolorski who represents the Elkhart yeah, area. She's great. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so they've continued, and Dina Titus is in the Nevada area. Um, they've continued to be our, our leaders, and most of the caucus members did uh, win re-election. So our champions on the Hill have made, remained the same, uh, which is which is awesome. And we're looking to, I think we're actually going to have an article this week or next week about a few new, new members to the caucus. 
Well, that's cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, it's great uh, that things are going well on that front. Um, I know the National Association of RV Parks and Campgrounds, um, which I think you guys usually invite, and uh, they, they usually send, I think, 10 to 20 people, mm -hmm. um, if I remember correctly. Um, I know they were a little disappointed not to be able to participate again, um, you know, and I know they're looking forward to getting back next year. Um, and hope yeah, you know, in taking a, part. So question, Ben. Like why didn't why wasn't there a virtual Arvic R V D A thing down here? Why did they not attempt to do that? Do we know? What was the question? <laughs> well, I guess he was asking why wasn't there a virtual are are you like, like, why, like, like, like Karen and Shane had last week, right? They went to the hill virtually. Like why was why was the whole week canceled and not tried to be attempted virtually? I'm just curious. Or was it? So there are going to be some virtual components um, and for the the Capitol Hill portion and there there may still be some activities there is just nothing planned right now but so RVs in America week there's two parts to it one part is what, what many who've been in the industry for a long time consider committee week RVIA's committee week so those committee meetings and those are still happening and that'll be virtually um, and that's what sets the direction, the strategic direction of the of the RV Industry Association. And then those advocacy meetings are the second half of the okay. of the week. And so we are still looking to do some kind of pieces around that, but we haven't announced anything, anything yet. Okay. Um, and I guess on the RV end to, um, you know, we have a lot of new RVers coming in. Um, I guess. Uh, with backlogs and everything and dealership inventory limited, I guess, is that, you know, are you guys concerned at all about the potential of turning people away um, from the RV industry? Maybe people get a little frustrated. Um, you know, is that a concern at all with the way things are right now? What do you mean turning away? Like not buying RVs or? Yeah. Like maybe there's just not enough available or they don't want to wait, I guess. I don't know. Well, like, I mean, realistically speaking, and I'll let them answer it, right, because I'm not an expert. Realistically speaking, like, what are the alternatives? If, if you're buying an RV, you want to get outside, you want to enjoy the outdoors, you're not going to be in a hotel. Like, there's not really other too many other places they can give up and go to, right? I, 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 I think from from Canada, our, our, um, we're sensing frustration from RV owners not being able to find a campsite. And um, okay. we, we're hoping that... Um, we can get things uh, back on the rails here soon. And um, because, you know, we're watching a lot of Facebook group comments, you know, there's, there's, there's frustration. Uh, even when it was open, finding a campsite, there was, you know, people were doing screenshots on Ontario parks that they were number 5,000 in a queue. Example. I saw the scalping going on up there. That's an interesting business to get into. I think I might start one. Yeah, they they they, they, they quickly kibosh that. But Ben, you know, to answer your question, I uh, I think there's more of a concern not being able to utilize their camper and then them getting out of it than okay. maybe frustration not getting it in the first place. Yeah, I think yeah. there's enough of a there's a pretty significant used market at least in my area still. Um, and, and, you know, I think I agree with Shane, the site inventory stuff is a big issue. I was, I had a call with Alberta parks the other day and she was telling me that nor in 2019 at this time, they had 40,000 reservations booked for the coming 90 days. And now in 2021, at this time, they have 106,000 reservations for the coming wow. 90 days. So, I mean, and it's impossible to, there's no room, there's no, no sites to book. Um, you know, we're working, I think, strategically to ha to help connect campers better with private campground operators and, and make sure that those sites are getting filled to the same level of uh, capacity. You know, those those public parks have a great ability, great tools in terms of reservation and things like that uh, that help with their exposure. But yeah, the, the site inventory stuff is a big concern for sure. Yeah, and I know we... I know we share some of those same concerns down here in the U.S. as far as site inventory. Um, right. You know, there's there's been quite a bit of growth um, 
in the RV in I mean in the in the campground sector as far as building more sites and I think the Arvic has mentioned that there should be over 50,000 new sites constructed this year with their survey. So I think we're seeing some movement on that front. I know a lot of park owners are expanding um, but you know getting into those popular park destinations like around the Grand Canyon or Yellowstone I mean it, it's extremely difficult. So, um, so that'll be interesting to see how, what happens down the road for that. So, um, I guess, uh, I know Monica, the RVIA has also been working on getting people trained more service technicians and stuff, getting people trained to work on RVs. Um, how is that going for the RV industry? I guess, um, you know, are you seeing progress on that front as far as getting more technicians trained and in, in getting people get being able to service RVs quicker? Yeah. So, I mean, this was something that predates the, the pandemic and uh -huh. um, addressing the need for more trained and certified RV technicians is why the RV Technical Institute was founded. Um, you know, it, about two years ago, it's been, it, the exact dates are, or like a year and a half ago, but we started the in-person classes last January. And then of course the pandemic had something else to, to say about that. And the team over there at RBTI quickly pivoted. And we now have a completely self-paced online level one program. So the level one, so RV Technical Institute created a, um, I usually have it handy here, a career path. So there's level one that is a pre-delivery inspection you take it's usually it's about a week long class and you can do pdi inspections then you've got your level two that does the diagnostics and repairs and that's um is more is, is a longer class and then you've got level three that's the specialties and then level four is if you've mastered all all the specialties so right now level one is has been available since last fall for anyone to take online and so we did, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we had a really big increase. I want to say almost 400 people signed up and purchased wow. the self-paced online program. And then what's really exciting is it's, it's going to be coming in the next couple months is the level two is going, because that level one is the, is the PDI, which is that first step in the door, really important. But that level two, the diagnosing, and we're actually making the repairs to the RVs, is really important and that is going to be available here very shortly um we also have partnerships with dealerships and manufacturers and states across the the country that are um these partnerships that they can teach the curriculum as well and get more uh trained and certified techs we just announced two or three weeks ago a big new partnership with rv retailer and they have committed to train over 400 of their their tech on the RBTI certification. So it's bringing more techs in, and also making sure the techs that are in the are trained on the latest and greatest, um, which is the RV Technical Institute curriculum. Are you seeing yeah. still a lot of like obviously you said the numbers who signed up and all that kind of stuff, but are you seeing a lot of growth in the people who are interested in doing this as a career? Or? So it was we don't have any um, of our own survey data on this, but it was it was the end of the year. So it was in December. Um, PayScale is a did an, a survey and it showed that RV techs were the third fastest growing um, job out there, which I, I that makes sense um, with all these additional RVers and RVs on the road, having people to to do that routine maintenance um, or repairs. It, it, that that makes sense that it would be that high. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that was a something a couple of years ago that people really identified as a need was more technicians. So it's great to see um, you know, that happening and being able to get people um in the industry that, that hopefully can process the the repair work and stuff quicker. So that's great. So um yeah. So, and, and we had, um, and Monica, I'm sure you uh, know Chris Daughtry from RV Enthusiast mm -hmm. Magazine. Um, we had him on last week, and uh, that was pretty interesting. And 
we just uh we spoke about oh man i lost my train of thought all of a sudden what the <laughs> he is a level two RBC guy, certified technician what the, yeah i mean uh there was a great question and i had thought of it and then it totally slipped my mind all of a sudden i was like mid-sentence so well, you can blame whatever. it on the dog fighting that's going on behind yeah. me. So. Yeah, I can blame it on the dog. <laughs> I, that, I know, I know. I had a great question lined up. It's okay. It's all right. We'll stop drilling, Monica. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I, I mean, I, I think we're getting to noon. I think I was all out of questions besides that one. Brian, did you have any more questions or any thoughts well, or let's anything? Give everybody a chance to kind of wrap it up, right? Yeah. Like, so Dick, uh, obviously we know the, the challenges are facing industry going forward, stuff like that. Where do you, in an ideal, perfect world, see your industry headed in the next year or two? I think the next year or two are going to be fantastic. Uh, my only concern would be is when is inflation going to catch up with sales? Uh, you know, right now it's how quick can I get it? It's not how much is it? And right. with prices, you know, and materials going up in inflation, just, you know, sooner or later that's going to catch up and people are not going to be buying because of pricing that other than that, our industry is strong for many, many years ahead. Awesome. Monica, share the same sentiments with the RV industry. I do. I mean, it, between what I shared a little bit earlier about the reasons why people bought in 2020 and them being the same reasons people have always bought RVs, that is really great news for the industry, as well as the data that we got in the demographic study that showed nearly a quarter of current owners are under the age of 35. And even better, 84% of them who currently own an RV and are under the age of 35 plan on buying a new RV in the next five years. So when you've got that many people who are, who are younger, who are committed to the RV lifestyle, um, that's, you know, that's, that's great news for our industry for, for years to come. So yeah. then I want to, yep. I want to also ask Kara from a former campgrounders perspective, CCRVC, how does, how does the next one or two years look like from the campground inventory ownership standpoint? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think overall, you know, feelings are good. We're po everybody feels pretty positive about the industry. I think, um, you know, numbers look great. Those reservation numbers I mentioned earlier, um, you know, there's obviously all of this RV shipment data translates directly into, you know, longevity for campgrounds and being able to continue to, to fill sites every year. Um, you know, I think we're in a unique scenario with the, the site inventory shortages and, and I'm hopeful that both the public and private uh, sides of our industry will be able to um, continue to add sites into the future. I think there's pockets of this country that maybe are underserved. Um, I could give a couple of examples of little areas of, of Alberta, my province alone, uh, where, you know, there's not much for campgrounds but there's some incredible uh you know scenery and and great attractions and things in those areas so i think there's definitely uh room to continue to grow and and all of this great uh interest in in camping and RVing is is only going to translate into greater success in the next several years yeah definitely i guess shane um you know, what's the next year or two look like, you know, on the association front, I guess, what are you guys focused on? Um, you know, I'll, I'll echo uh, Dick and Monica's sentiment about the future, the very bright uh, future of this, uh, this industry. Um, I think it's going to be really important for our industry to listen uh, uh, to consumers um, after this and hear what they're saying, um, you know, because we're seeing so many new new buyers out there that mm -hmm. it's going to be, um, you know, let's keep our ear to the ground and hear what they're saying so that we can react. But, um, you know, really excited about the future. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I mean, it's just great to hear everyone. Uh, you know, everyone I come in contact with has real positive um, stories and I know um, not every park had a really good year last year but I think for the most part all the parks even the ones who didn't do great last year are looking forward to a really good year this year and then 
just to see the RV industry. I know a lot of park owners are, are really excited about the growth of the RV industry because, I mean, it means more business for them. Um, so that's great. So very exciting times. So, um, but I think that's everything. Uh, thanks, Monica and Dick and Shane for taking the time to come on the show with us. And you guys are always a wealth of information. And uh, obviously, thanks, Kara, for coming on. And Brian, you can go sit down now. You don't have to stand anymore. <laughs> no, I'm all right. uh, I had to go change the batteries in my microphone because they died. <laughs> um, and uh, it's nice to see that the dogs are. I didn't know you had two dogs. I don't. I have one dog, but I'm staying in an Airbnb. <laughs> And there's like three of them right next to me. And so the neighbors all have dogs and they run into each other's porch okay. and stuff like that. So <laughs> it's all fenced okay. in, in the same yard. Okay. All right. And uh, try not to take any of the wood when you leave. Um, that's I mean, stealing. I might. It seems like it's a good business to get into. Monica, you need any down there? No, I'm good. I'm good. I could give you a really great rate compared to everybody else. So, Dick, Dick, I'm your guy. All right. All right. Well, thanks everyone. And uh, uh, hope we hope all of our viewers have a good rest of the week. Thanks for joining us and, uh, and everyone. Yeah. Have a great week. So thanks very much. Appreciate it. Take care. Yep. Have a good week. Stay, stay well. Yeah. Yep. Bye.